go. We got we got our second guest on the Undeniable Future podcast today. We got Wally. What's up, bro? Mm-hmm. How you doing, family? How you doing? I'm doing good, man. Yo, can you introduce yourself real quick? Uh, obviously, I, I know you personally. We went to high school together at Strapcona High School. Uh, Lee hasn't met you yet, and the people who are listening might not know who you are. So uh, give us a quick rundown of who you are, uh, where you're from, what you're doing. All right, probably. So uh, my name is Nawali. Um, I've basically been living in Edmonton for the last, like, 12 years. Um, I'm originally from Runda, Central Africa. Yes, um, I've been making... I've been making music since I was 16, um, rap music that is, and uh, I've been just trying to put out for my city ever since. And uh, yeah, now it's like starting to uh, snowball effect, you know, like I'm starting to reap the rewards from the the like tremendous grind, you know? For sure, I've seen it, man. I'm seeing it. Yeah, as a, mm-hmm. as a rapper, what is your goal? What do you want to achieve? Um, there's, there's many goals. There's many goals. Um, uh, for example, I want to leave. I want to leave a legacy. You know what I mean? Um, like looking at l- looking at like the artists I really look up to, um, the ones that have uh, successfully like, beat the matrix. You know what I mean? That have like won in life are, are the ones that were like are the ones that like went against the grain. The ones that went against uh, the norms. You know. Um, so I want to leave a legacy. I want to be able to look back, like when I, like when I fully lived out my life, and be like, "Yo, I gave this craft my my all." You know what I mean? I uh, I, I want to leave a legacy. Uh, I also want to leave a uh, legacy, and that, like uh, when I say legacy, I mean like like I want to leave an impact. I want to, I want to, I want to be like a reason why some kids want to start making music. I want to be a reason why some kids um, get their lives together. I want to be a reason why uh, my peers. Like uh, just to say, like people I went to high school with, and be like, "Yo, this dude was was in my high school class," you know. Yeah. But look at him now, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? I wanna, I wanna be able to, to just like shock the culture, you know what I mean? I wanna also take care of my family, you know, uh, and the future generations, and I just wanna be a successful black man, you know, black excellence. I wanna, I wanna, like embody that. A lot of a lot of rappers look at their careers in a way as a business enterprise, right? And mm-hmm. you were talking about your cultural impact. So mm-hmm. do you see it more as you're building up a company or you're building up something that's going to give you a profit or do you see it as a tool that you can use to achieve other things? Because you said you want to leave a legacy. Yeah. I would say it's a bit of both actually. Um, uh, I wasn't really business oriented, mm. so I got my managers involved, and uh, they helped me see it more from the business standpoint. Mm-hmm. So um, I definitely, I definitely view myself more as a business because I generate revenue, right? I just I, like when I have shows or from selling merch or CDs or whatever the case may be, like that's generating income, right? Yeah. So um, I definitely see my, I definitely see myself as a business. But also, I see this craft as a tool for me to uplift others, right? I see this as an opportunity to just, like, uh, the best way I put it, it's like, like that cliche quote, it's like, uh, with great response, like, with great power comes great responsibility. And um, when I started making music, I was just trying to, like, I was just trying to do it. Like, I didn't really, like, you know, when you first get into something, you don't really, like, know, like, you don't know what, what it's all about. But um, over the years, I realized, Music is like, yo, you have to give this, it's its own entity, right? It's, uh, people feel a certain way when they listen to music. And people, like, not everyone has the same favorite song from an artist, right? So music is subjective as much as it is an experience, right? So, It's even crazy to hear you, like, say these things, because I I knew you when you first started making music, started making music when you you were 16. You were still going by Mm -hmm. uh, Young Simba. And yeah, look, there yeah. was a bunch of kids who were rapping like in the school and like obviously everyone, oh, everyone wants to be a rapper and you'll get a lot of backlash. People saying like, oh, you're wasting your time. Like, what are you doing? And mm-hmm. honestly, when I saw you making music, I'm just like, oh, it's just a thing that people do. Like maybe it's a phase or whatever. We graduated. Mm-hmm. I'm gone. I was away for a while. I came back to Edmonton and then you opened up for, uh, for Wu-Tang. You were on the Edify magazine. You're doing the Fringe Festival. 
So like to see mm-hmm. that progression, it shows that like if you actually put in the work and you're actually thinking about it and you have a plan, because a lot of people mm-hmm. were doing what you were doing when we were 16, but they kind of fall off. So what was it for you that made you continue to go on and make the music year after year going on, what, seven, seven to eight years now? What yeah, pushes you so to keep going? That's powerful. I'm glad, I'm glad like, you know, somebody like, like one of my peers, one of my classmates, like, you know, somebody who has seen literally the start of this uh, career. Because sometimes it's like, it's hard to explain, but, um, uh, you know, like, remember me, right? Like, I was like 5'5". Five, five. I wasn't that tall. I was definitely wasn't athletic. <laughs> Um, you know, I was I was a, I was a class clown because like I didn't really, I didn't really play sports like that. that. I definitely remember that, right? And all my and all like the, all these other guys, you know, playing sports or like you know having the utmost confidence to get the like, Chipotle shorties, right? So I'm like, damn, right? I didn't really have an outlet, yeah, to stop my energy, you know. And I knew I knew I wanted to do something, and like I would say on the borderline artistic side. I wouldn't say like painting or drawing, but like I knew like, like, like my creative that outlet was going to be somewhat creative, creative. Right. And I loved hip hop my whole life. So, um, we were at this party one time in like grade 11, I think. And then, um, like one of those, one of our classmates, you know, like, this is like, at the time I didn't think nothing of it, but like looking back, I'm like, yo, that's like, that's a stereotype for sure. But they're like, yo, you're black. You could probably rap. Right. Yeah. Going to high school, of course. <laughs> Yeah. You feel me? You know, I, I wasn't trying to name drop it, you know, but yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, so that was that, right? So um, I was like, we laughed it off, and then I freestyled for them. And they all laughed because it was trash. They are like, yo, I was weak. But the key thing that, like, that, like, that changed it off of me is, like, yo, these are my classmates. These aren't coaches. Yeah. They lit, so I was like, yo. They lit a fire under you. You were like... Yo, these people think that I can't rap. Like, I'm going to show them that I can do this for real. Exactly. Exactly. So, from 16 to 17, I was rapping every day. Like, I was freestyling every single day. And, like, we'd just be smoking or whatever the case may be. You know, just uh, hotboxing or whatever the fuck. Um, this one day, when I was 17, we were, we were chilling. And I hadn't rapped yet. And they were like, yo, like, why aren't you rapping right now? I said, what? I'm like, I'm like, y'all actually like you. He said, yeah, we fuck with it. So, Something I had begun to love, other people were starting to appreciate. And that was when I had the light bulb moment. I'm like, yo, okay. Okay, this I actually have a shot to become a great, like, you know, one of the greatest, like, heavily, in, at that time, especially, I was heavily influenced by Tupac. Still am to this day, but, like, he, like, just listening to the passion in his music, you know, like, the pain and the inspiration and how how often he was mislabeled. And I'm like, yo, like, like, yo, that's what I want to be. You know what I mean? Mm. And not in the sense of like, like the violence side of Tupac, but more like the, the, the down to earth, poetic, like God fearing. You know that that type of that type of pop. You know that that part of pop. I, I, I was very attracted to. Mm. So, so all these years later, you know, like, um, I just kept with the grind. I kept with the grind. You know what I mean? So I just kept, I just kept with it, and I stuck, I stuck it out. And you know, like that's one thing I appreciate about your music because for a lot of people who don't listen to your music, if they don't know like the content of it, most rappers you hear about, you know, of hitting licks, this and that, like the way they talk about women. If you listen to your music, you talk mm. about what you see in in life day to day and the life you actually live. So you speak about how you felt when you were going to school. You speak about being an immigrant. You speak about being confident, having a voice, speaking. So. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how much it changed from when you first started making music to where you are now, but clearly mm-hmm. the separation you made of yourself to say like, you know, I'm not going to make music just for entertainment. I'm not going to make music to, you know, build myself as some kind of character, but you have yeah. a lane where you're almost like a, uh, not so much a teacher, but you're just like putting your emotions on paper and just being really open. Mm-hmm. Like, is there, is there an artist that you heard that made you kind of like feel like that's, that's the lane you want to go with? Yeah, definitely. Like, uh, yeah, like that whole spiel about Pac, really. Um, he was one of the first ones. And then uh, J. Cole, Kendrick Lamar, um, and then most recently Nipsey, man. Nipsey, uh, I was a fan of Nipsey before he passed, too. So it really it really struck a chord in my heart because I'm like, yo, it, when Nipsey passed away, uh, I was like, I don't know if I want to make music anymore because mm. I was like, somebody that real can just, get killed on his own block where he built up his, like his entire life, you know, like what's the point of making music if, you know, 
and for you do just get teared down at the end of the day, you know? When it comes to Nipsey, I remember personally, mm-hmm. I had never really seen a lot of him um, mm-hmm. when it came to the media or in the press. And a year or a year and a half right before his death, he was very mm-hmm. prominent in almost everything we saw, you know, at the Rock Nation brunch. Uh, like, mm-hmm. everywhere, everywhere you look, Nipsey was there. So, yeah. so that attention nipsey finally getting that attention you said you were a fan for so long mm-hmm. when he finally reached that level of fame and then to mm-hmm. see to see him tragically pass how did that feel as somebody who is who is such a fan man it felt like i had lost a sibling to be honest bro like um or a mentor i'd say like like you know a big brother type of thing like because mm. there's so much game in his music you know there's so much knowledge there's so much wisdom that like like, you actually have to sit down and take in because it's like, mm-hmm. uh, for example, there's this one line he has. It's like, um, uh, uh, you can keep watching cable on the same couch, uh, or, or, or you can do your thing now, you know? He's, he's like, basically, he's basically saying, like, um, you know, you can either, like, you know, keep being lazy or you can step up to the plate and get, get on your grind, get on your marathon, right? Yeah, excuses. Oh, okay, there's a uh, there's a better quote too. I'd actually use. I'd love to use. He's like, he's like, ain't no hotline, but I can tell you, future free. Get on your marathon until you bruise your feet. Mm. And like, like shit like that, you know. Where you just always be dropping knowledge. Um, it was very tragic for me to see because it's like, yo, like you're saying, he built himself up, and he stayed himself the whole time. He was always replying to to comments on IG. Like, he was still that same guy. Like, um. Even the day he died, he was in front of his own store where I think he opened up a shop where he'd sell, you know, socks, plain T-shirts to people who just got out of prison because it's hard for them to get work. And he knows that it's important to have these people come back in society and feel like they can actually work, they can dress themselves. Mm-hmm. He was providing that for a city. He was celebrating that. And that's when he got killed. So even to his last day, he's out there in the city pushing for progress. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he has. He was supposed to have a meeting with, like, the, the LAPD... Um, Cop actually, or the the commissioner, I mean, uh, mm. about gang violence and how to prevent it. Like the following Monday or something. If he died on a Sunday, wow. you feel so. Um, yeah, just like things like that. It was very tragic. So, like maybe like I would say like for a day or two, I felt like giving up just because it was like, yo, how can somebody that real just pass away? You know, and when you got like niggas like six nine running their mouths, running wild, you know. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> good yeah. example. Exactly. You know? wow. Yeah, I get what you're yeah. saying. I I because feel I feel like you you really care about the art of what it means to be a rapper. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're more you're you're into it for more than just um, I want to put my music out there. You're into it for for what you can do for the community. Yes, as a whole. sir. And yes, sir. That's one thing from you know talking to Justice that. And yet, and as you know, that's something we care quite a lot about. We want, we care about podcasting, but we also care about being able to use this art to help people. So, how have you used your art to to actually do more in your community? All right, there's a there's a few things I've done actually. Um, one of the things that like me and my team are, like pride ourselves on, like not just to like brag or anything, but just like on some real shit. Like uh, we've. Uh, we've helped like I would say 10 to 12 artists get their first performance at Edmonton. Mm. Oh, really? Yeah. That's like big. through our shows. Um, because yo, one thing like it's very hard, it's very hard to get your own shows here. Like, um, yeah. as justice would know, I, like when I first started out, like, yo, I didn't know what I was getting into. Right. But, um, uh, I would get doors closing my face. Uh, people wouldn't take me serious. And I was always like, overlooked even like when i when i was coming up as an artist in the city that was another thing that drove my my hunger so much it was like i like you don't know who the fuck you're dealing with you know but like in the most respectful way like i would I, that's how I'd, I'd go about it i'm like Yo, y'all don't know who you're dealing with like one day one day y'all gonna need me type of thing right mm-hmm. but at the same time be humble and just carry yourself correctly right so i just um i took the blows on the chin um and then I, one day I remember saying this to myself, like just feeling it. I didn't say it out loud, but I was like, you know what? Like it was so hard for me to, you know, get my foot in the door in the city, but I'm going to make sure it's not that hard for the, for, for the next artist coming up, you know? 
So instead of like taking an angry look at it, saying like, you know, when I make it, I'm going to make sure I, I, I react to people and make sure that I push people down. You didn't want to make sure that nobody like you would have them to come up again, right? Yeah, you know, for real. I don't, exactly. I don't want that experience on anybody. But but it, it's, it's a fine line because it's like that also gave me such a crazy drive, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's like, even if you hear it in Drake's music sometimes, he talks about how like, even like motherfucking never loved us, right? Like, yeah, yeah, it's like if you think about it, like yo, this like Jewish light skinned kid like from Toronto trying to make it out. Yeah, and he probably was getting no looks, like at least when he started out, you know. It's and you know, I mean, and people use uh, people bringing them down to motivate themselves all the time, as we see like yeah. LeBron, right? LeBron saying, I saying respect. I want my respect, right? So yeah, the. People and Jordan, same thing. When as we saw in the in his documentary, it's the same thing. People yeah. want. Sometimes you need that backpack on your back to push you to do things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like Jordan would use crazy fuel, right? Hey, Jordan so, make up stories in his head. I didn't even happen. Yeah, yeah. He called up my mom. <laughs> All in his head. Exactly, and that's like powerful. That's a powerful tool to use, mm. as long as it's like used for the right reasons, right? Because it's like. You use it for positivity, yeah. That same energy with a negative mindset, yeah, that could go really, really fast, right? Mm-hmm. You know so, what? Um, that, yeah, go ahead. That was one. That was one thing. So, like, uh, making sure like we uplift other artists. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing was um, I go into schools like uh, when I get a chance to, and I and I and I do a little bit of motivational speaking about chasing your dreams and uh, uh, making sure that like you have a goal and like. I, I talk about confidence, talking about, I talk about like words of affirmation. Um, I, you know, and then I, I break down, like I do a little, I do a little bit of rapping for them too. Right. Mm. So there's, there's that aspect of it as well. Mm. So, um, there's, there's those two things that I was very happy about, but also like in the background too, like, um, uh, cause I don't like, I don't really like to like talk about it. Like just cause like, it's not something like we should like brag about or anything, but, uh, like helping out like communities with like homeless people, right? Yeah. Um, my my family would go out and see homeless people the first Saturday of the month, and we've been doing that for the last two years. Mm. But we, uh, we had been interrupted due to uh, Corona. But um, even even that, like, um, and that was my my mom's initiative, and like she brought that to the family. But um, I I would always give like homeless people change whenever I could, so. So that was just always, in, like, giving was always in my nature. But, uh, mm. but like, just to see my mom do that, like, uh, two years ago, and to see where it is now, where, like, uh, friends friends of mine, like, Justice, come through and uh, help out. Um, we've we've had uh, a few different people reach out and say they, they want to contribute. So so from my work, for example, like, I was telling them how we were buying hot dogs from Costco, and they were like, yo, well, we could provide breakfast sandwiches. You just pay us the same amount you're paying for Costco. And like we'll, we'll we'll cover the rest as long you know to make a hundred breakfast sandwiches. That's dope, right? I know so, you said that like, you don't want to you want to feel like you're bragging or like spreading this like up yourself. But I think it's important exactly. for people who are doing these things to to put it out there because when I saw you doing that, like you put it on. I think I saw it on Instagram initially when you said you're going to mm-hmm. go out on the Saturday. That made me want to mm-hmm. go out and do that. And maybe somebody who's listening to this podcast will hear you say. Oh, I, I go to these uh, elementary schools. I speak to these kids. I do these things every Saturday, first Saturday every month. And in their head, they're like, "Oh, if somebody else is doing this, like it's not that impossible to just go out and do something small in the city." So you kind of inspire mm-hmm. people. So it's not to like mm-hmm. bring yourself up, but more to just show people, like, "Yo, this is what we can do. We can all do this together." It's not some crazy mission to to overcome. exactly. And one thing that's super powerful is like, uh, it's not about how much you give. It, like to, to homeless people, that counts. You know what I mean? It's not about being like, oh, I, like I dropped a hundred thousand on them. It's about, it's about literally giving all that you can in the sense of like, say like you got bills coming up or something, but it's like, okay, I'm able to put aside this much because this is all I got. Like literally, this is all I got I can give. You know, that's I think that's what matters because it's it's less of the image thing and it's more of like, yo, like I'm literally giving up. Like the the most amount I can, you know what I mean? Yeah, I that mean, makes sense. when you go out and you go help in the community, you just do what you can. And yeah. I feel like a lot of times people feel 
as if they can't do enough. So they don't mm-hmm. have the power to do enough. But if you're sitting at home and you can, you know, you have enough to eat and whatnot and you've got a job, then you you can do something to help. Probably and and everybody has different levels of how they can do of what they can do. For real. That's a fact. Now that we have COVID going on right now, like obviously you're not going to be able to do shows. Uh, you're not going to be able to move mm-hmm. around the same way. And I'm assuming that's the biggest way to, to create revenue for your group if you're making music as far as your management and the artists. Well, what's your, how did you pivot from that? Now that COVID is going on, you're not able to sell tickets and have shows. How do you, um, how do you operate now? Honestly, it was, it was a blessing in disguise because it's like, um, when you, when you want to make sure you, um, you, you can put out the best music, right? Um, a lot of factors have to come into play, right? Like being able to to support yourself financially, um, like many, many, many factors, right? But uh, what Corona allowed me to do is uh, like take that stress away, right? Because like uh, I, I don't have to bring, I don't have to put up a certain amount to get this or that or the third, right? It just made me focus on the art. So kind of let you lock it on the music and just put everything else out exactly. to the side, right? You're not worried about selling tickets and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. So I, I just, uh, I just, I, I honed in. I just been writing a verse a day, um, since I'd say July. And fam, the amount of pr- pr- progress I've made within the, within the last two months, three months, it's just like it's just crazy. And the thing is, like, I love writing. I used to just freestyle. I wouldn't love to write. Like, I, I, I would avoid writing, just because freestyling. Like, I, like I said, I've been doing that since I was sixteen, and like, I've, I've mastered freestyling, and not, not in the sense of like I'm, I'm bragging about it, but in the sense of like I've done it for like seven, eight years now. Whereas writing, I've only been doing for like I'd say, like, like, like throughout the whole eight years, I'd say I've written about an eighth of that time, you know what I mean? Maybe a year's worth. So, so now I'm, I'm transitioning away from freestyling and just writing. So, and the thing is like, I, I'm already like already, I already know how to rhyme. Obviously I already know how to stay on beat and all these things. So, so writing, writing isn't like, it's not like I'm starting at zero with writing, you know? Mm. But this is really the first time you've been able to sit down and write. That's pretty what you're saying. Yeah. Right? Yeah, exactly. Sit down and write and like continuously write. So like, so now it's like, now writing is a lot easier and like the bars are just crazier, you know? Right? So if you've been writing since July, that means we got a project coming out then, right? Oh, you know, my nigga. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. We got Have you name? heard, uh, uh, yeah, I was about to say, have you heard my first project, Late Bloomer? Of course. Yes, sir. So, uh, Late Bloomer 2. Late Bloomer 2 is on the way. Late Bloomer 2? Yes, right, you guys sir. heard it here first. I don't know if it's first, but hey, you're hearing it here now. <laughs> Late Bloomer 2. Yes, sir, yes, sir. And uh, subtitle Blooming, right? Hashtag Blooming. Yeah, Blooming. Yeah, so that means, uh, that means, uh, because I was saying, like, you know, like, I was, I was, I was short for so long. I wasn't playing sports or anything. So, like, I was late at finding what I loved in life, you know? Not too late. 16 is still a very young age, but, like, whereas, like, some of these kids, like, start rapping at 13, right? Or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or, like, I always knew I had, like, like a passion for music so that's the thing that like that always pisses me off it's like man imagine if i just started when i was eight like i'd be a fucking you know i'd be one of those but like everything happens yeah. for a reason right yeah, yeah exactly and Every, everything happens for a reason so exactly. it's like you, so it's like right now as you see the uh the certain the social uh environment that we're in right now with all the divisiveness mm-hmm. and um, you said you played a huge part in the protests here in Edmonton. Uh, mm-hmm. So as you see all the division that's going on in the world right now, does that mm-hmm. help? Is that helping you as you write? Is that something that's uh, a big push for you? Is it um, is it a focus in your in in your artistry? Um, it's been a focus since. Since the day I started making music, uh, being being black, fam, um, it's uh, all these undertones, right? All these undertones me and Justice have experienced where we were, we had to put it under the rug because it's like, yo, we're in Canada, 
like that's just like that's just racism is not a thing here. You know, people made us like almost want to believe that, but deep down, I've experienced it. You know, I've never spoken on it, but just because it's like, oh, you're in Canada, you know, all these things. But um, uh, the movement now is is alive and well, and um, to to be able to say that I'm a part of it, and um, especially in the city, to be able to say that um, my voice, my platform is is being used for the greater good of of our, of our society and of our country and of the world man um like I, I just thank god bro because uh when i started out i didn't think i'd become an activist like to this day i still don't like like i guess i'm an activist you know what i mean like i didn't i didn't know that was in the cards for me but like when 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 god offers you uh, an opportunity you better step up to the plate right yeah. so so um things I was doing, I was reading a lot of like a lot of books on the movement. For example, the biography, the autobiography of Malcolm X. Mm. Uh, I read this book called Black Like Me. Um, I've, I'm, I'm currently reading The Spook Who Sat By The Door. It's about the first black CIA agent in the USA. Sorry, what was and that book? Uh, the Spook Who Sat By The Door. The Spook Who Sat By The Door, okay. Yeah. Um, and then I read a James Baldwin book too, I think The Fire Next Time. Yes, the fire next time. That's one of my favorite books. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's very, very powerful. So, like books like that, you know, and like they just been like fueling me. And like most of these books, I started reading last year before the before this thing happened, before the George Floyd incident, uh, not incident, before the George Floyd murder, uh, Ahmaud Arbery, all of these names, you know, and um, and and First Nations people, how they've been getting, uh, you know, ostracized and gen like experiencing genocide within Canada for so many years, you feel? Yeah. So just tapping into that and um and letting that transcend in my music, letting that speak in my music. Um one of my friends brought up a good point to me. He was like, yo, he's like, it's very good to use your voice and be like uh to be an activist, but he's like, yo, don't forget you can always do that in your music too. Mm. And I was like, wow. You know what I mean? I was like, that hit my soul. But the thing that was crazy is that um, I was always like, I was not always, but like as of recently, I started writing more about like, you know, that consciousness about like raising awareness of racism and stuff like that. Like, I don't know if you guys were at the protest with the the, the, the one I, I, I did that verse at, but uh, that mm-hmm. song I wrote last year, actually, and it's called Changes. It's called Changes. And it's like, I feel like pop because I'm waiting on changes. Turn to the front pages. All I see is black faces. Man, I've been waiting on changes. Yeah, I've been waiting on changes. But this world got to change. I know this world's so dangerous, but still, I've been waiting on changes. That's just, that's the hook right there. But, uh, like, in, 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 in one of the verses, I break down how, like, for example, the 13th Amendment uh, documentary on Netflix told me how 40, 40% of the jail population in USA is black people, you know? That's just another form of slavery. And I, I referenced that. I referenced that in the song, right? It's like, um... I think somebody uh, who wouldn't, like, somebody who didn't watch that documentary, somebody who might not be read up on it, can listen to your song that's only, like, say, three and a half minutes and get that same message, yeah. and that'll push them to go on and, you know, read up on it. That's kind of what you're exactly. going for, right? Trying to inspire people to think and look into stuff themselves. Mm-hmm. And it was like, um, what are, the, the, okay, here's a, here's a bar about it. It's like, I just want to help my own generation. Why y'all are blacks in the incarceration? They make up half the jail population. What a clever way for a new plantation. Mm. 17% of the population, 40% of the jail population. Yeah. And that's something that you were seeing. I think a lot of people... On that verse, a lot of people will think about that right now and say, like, oh, obviously, because it's been spoken about for so long now over the last six months. But mm-hmm. people who weren't tapped into this, like, if you're black in Canada or black in America, this isn't like a wave, like, okay, let's jump onto this. We've been black. Yeah, like, I've been black for 24 years. You've been black 24 years. Lee's been black for 25 years. You don't become black and say, like, oh, yeah, this year, oh, now it's time. Yeah. So I think for people like you and I and Lee and Steve, we've seen these things, but now we have an opportunity to put it out, like, for yourself, for music. And for ourselves mm-hmm. to use our podcast as a platform to put out the things that we've seen, the way we feel in our minds, and not just keep it to ourselves. Now we can put it out to public, so maybe somebody else who doesn't understand can you know have a point of reference now. You know, mm-hmm. like 
And, and and what I really love too now is that like, yo, racism is not tolerated at all in our society anymore. So like, I'm a pacifist for sure. I'm like a peaceful person, but if if a, if a white boy calls me a nigga, fam, like he's dropping on the floor, fam. You sure? <laughs> like, I I got no time for no bigotry no more. Yo, and when he says he's a peaceful person, bro, this guy is he's serious. This is mo- the most calm guy I know. The most calm, straightforward. Like when I listen to your music, you really mm-hmm. come across the way you are because like you're. You're a positive person to the point where it's like it doesn't make sense sometimes to me because I'll be speaking to you about something that's really dark, but you'll always mm-hmm. find like you'll find some light in it. Like even in your music, you don't like you don't uh, have a lot of vulgarity in your music. You're not talking about like murdering people, stealing, getting money. You're just making music about positivity, yeah. and you always have like some hope, some goal at the end of your song where you're like, "Oh, this is the end mission." It's always something positive mm-hmm. on it. But what, what is it for you that makes you? Why are you so positive? It might be a weird question to ask, but why? What makes you so positive? From what you've seen, from uh, what you've been through, what makes you stay positive? A few things, a few things. Um, first of all, um, my, my family survived the, the Rwandan genocide in, in 1994, right? Mm. So, so with that being said, my family, uh, my family are very big believers in God. And like, as people who survived such an atrocity in humanity, like, I feel like those, those are the type of people that should be, your God doesn't exist, right? Mm-hmm. Because like when you stripped away of family members, you know, when people just murder your family members, people r- rape people, like people rape women, murder babies, you know, um, for for so long, you know, it's like it's my, my the best way I can describe it is like my parents experienced something like that's very similar to the Holocaust in nineteen forty four or nineteen forty one to forty five, right? Mm. And that's, the and that's and that's, that's something that's a scar that gets passed on through generations. Exactly. That doesn't just exactly. that doesn't just and, stop. And, yeah. And one thing that like um, I told my parents once it was like yo, I was like yo, I had dreams. I told them I, when I was very young, I was like I had dreams. Like I was getting chased by like Hutu people, and uh, cause like we're Tutsis. But uh, my mom, my mom looked at me like boy, like yo, boy, you better you know you better get your shit together. Like she looked at me like. <laughs> too scared for me but like yeah, yeah like those dreams like like they were passed down you know like that trauma was passed passed on to me for sure because that was in 94 and i was born in 96 mm-hmm. and and uh i just was like when you introduced me you said wally right um uh so i i started just going by my real name wally i, I used to say wally because i was trying to fit in with these white kids like n-t-w-a-l-i like how do you say that jimmy uh you know <laughs> 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 right, uh, so I was just like, "Yo, like, no worries, yeah. call me Wally." You know? It's time you just get back. <laughs> that's a common. Um, that's a common thing. You know what? Even for us, like, as Zimbabweans, we know so many Zimbabwean kids who grew up and they had to, not had to, I guess, but they changed their names or found mm-hmm. easier ways of saying their names because they just felt like in. Society couldn't pronounce their name properly, and they didn't want to walk around being angry. Yeah, so basically that was me, right? And then uh, my parents, like when I was nineteen, twenty, they were like, "Yo, your name means like we named you Nwali because that means be- being a warrior or being brave, and mm. we needed somebody like that in our family after what he- what we had gone through." Mm. That's tough. So man. I was like, right? I was like, all right, all right. So, um. I changed my rap name from Lil Simba to Simba. Then I changed it to my real name, Nawali. And, and then I just, like, I just stopped, like, I just stopped, like, when people say, like, when people say Wally, like, when they talk to me now, it's like, all right, cool, cool. But, like, nah, at the same time, it's like, nah, my nigga, like, say my name. Also, Muhammad Ali shit, right? Like, what's my name, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you stop playing you know? the character, like, right? Exactly, exactly. So it's like, exactly. Wally, Wally was, like, I wouldn't say he was a character, but Wally was, like, was a a defense mechanism to just try and fit in, or I, I guess it's not defense mechanism, but like uh, a way of me trying to fit in with, with my white peers, because I was like one of like three, four black kids. Like you know, you know what I'm saying, Justice. Like there's like literally like what three of us in our in our in our grade. In our graduating class, there was there was four that I remember, including us. Yeah, uh, <laughs> actually, I got expelled, right? So did you just three of y'all? <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> right, we lost one. Exactly. So uh, the reason why I'm that positive is because, like, um, I come from, I feel like I come from a, a very strong lineage of people, 
Mm. Yeah, and um, uh, speaking of lineage, my family, my my uncles are telling me that we come from uh, a, a people called Wakona warriors, uh, which were back back in the day before they had uh, cattle and stuff. They would carry weapons and they would carry food because they're like among the strongest people in the, in in their villages. Like when they would go to war or whatever the case may be. So I was like. I was like, bet, like, yo, this, that, like, that's what I'm derived from, you know? So, um, just the strength and, like, like, you know, becoming the person my parents, like, spoke, spoke into the universe when they named, me, they named me that, you know, 24 years ago. Mm-hmm. So there's that aspect, um, yeah. like, my upbringing and uh, uh, just, 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 just the fact that, like, a million Tutsi people passed away and my family of seven made it out. Mm. Like we're we're yeah, all one in a million, you know. That's one in a million fact. So yo, that yo, alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, yo, uh, this is Steve. Uh, I was a uh, sound guy. I was in the background listening, and then uh, just I uh, felt like I had a question I had to ask you if you don't mind. Um, yeah, by all means. Um, so you were talking about the song changes and how you wrote it like last year, and then you were actually able to perform it during the 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 Black Lives Matter um act- activism uh. Like when, when, when that was go, that that was going in on uh, during during the, the pandemic, right? So how has that mm-hmm. changed your energy? Like when you write and talk about racial topics in your music, and like compared to when you actually wrote the song and you hadn't been as involved. Mm-hmm. I would say now it's it's more it's it's more like changes was more of like uh, I was being polite about it. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I was being like. Hey guys, look 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 at what's going on. But now it's like, okay, motherfucker, you know what's going on. Yeah. And now that my skills are getting uh, like a lot better, because like that was before. Changes is a song I wrote last year, but like with the pandemic, writing a verse a day for so long, right? Like now my skills are sharpening like a lot more, a lot more, a lot more. Uh-huh. So, um, and- I'm like, okay, I have to I have to be a bit more aggressive because it's like, yo, a lot of people still choosing ignorance, you know. Mm-hmm. And being on the so, front line uh, is giving you like that, like that energy and the vibe of everybody else being on the same accord and feeling the same way. And you're like, you know what? There's so many people that feel the same way, so I don't have to sugarcoat this. And people know what's going on, and I have to say it the way it is. Exactly, exactly. That's literally, yeah. That's literally what I was trying to say. Yeah, no more sugarcoating because it's like, yo, like people try, like people try to say excuses like white guilt, like fam, what? Yeah, <laughs> like. <laughs> Oh, I, like I feel so like I feel so I feel so like privileged, and I just don't want to help because it's like I don't know what I can do. <laughs> My, like what? You feel me? Like that's a that's weak. That's weak. Go read a book. Go talk to one of your black classmates. Go talk to one of your black friends. Uh-huh. Oh, oh man, just as I know you know you know what I'm saying by saying like yo the token black friend, bro. Like yeah, of course. But like, like people have an easy out. They kind of say like, if it doesn't affect me, then it's not my problem. But now we're kind of exactly. bringing the issue to people. We bring it to their doorsteps. Like if you're not going to address it, it's here. The good thing about yeah. this podcast is that we all get to be the token black friend here. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and also like for you, like as, an, as a hip hop artist too, like the way hip hop mm-hmm. has grown over the last like decade or even like the last two, three decades, um, with so many people listening to it, do, do, I feel like having people talk about these topics uh, in the music that so many people are now uh, trying to copy, so many people are assimilating to, uh, is really good for us to actually have these topics that affect us as a, as, as a community. Mm-hmm, definitely. And uh, uh, being able to use your voice, right? Like stand, standing solid on your, on your, on your work, on, yeah. the, on your, on your, uh, on what, what you set out to achieve. That's like, that's one of the most, um, powerful things because it's like, yo, um, how long are we going to sing the same old songs, right? You feel me? Yeah, that's what sure. I'm saying. Like our, we had the first episode of the pod in July. I believe, yeah. I think it was late July and it was about BLM. And the first question we ever had, the first topic we ever talked about was about, uh, what do you think the Black Lives Matter protests are going to lead to? Or the results, yeah. and honestly, we're just sitting there like, I don't think anything's gonna happen. We've been talking about this when 2014 happened. Uh, we talked about this when Trayvon got killed in 2012. We talking about this when Emmett Till mm-hmm. got killed. We we're talking about this. So we're sitting there just yeah. like, we're gonna speak on it. We're gonna discuss this because obviously it's out there. But there's like so little hope 
for actual change, but to see people like like yourself who are out there and you're so sure that that's going to be some positive change, you don't give up. That's important because a lot mm-hmm. of people just give up on it. You know, they walk off. Mm-hmm. And 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 that's the thing. You, you, we can't give up because, fam, I can't. A police officer can put away his uniform and go back into society. I can't put my I can't put my skin in, in no closet, fam. Um, so I I do not want to have a conversation with my kids about you have less opportunity because of your skin color. People are going to treat you differently. That shit should not exist twenty years from now. That shit should not be a thing. You yeah. feel me? Unfortunately, like of course, there'll still be some bigots and stuff like that. But like as a society, as a structured mechanism of like function, functionality, whatever the fuck, um, we could we can actually we can implement change because like wasn't there like reform in the Edmonton Police Force, right? They're taking away like ten million dollars or something, like at least. Mm. I, I'm not sure the 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 gist of it, but I mean like. You know, like they're starting, they're starting to be a, a lot of, a lot of, uh, what do you call it? A lot of reform. Like even Justin Trudeau did that thing about like the, like the black entrepreneurship. Uh, yeah. Like, uh, like thing the fund, too. So the fund is created yeah, the for fund. yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like for black uh, entrepreneurs in, like in Canada. So things like that, right? Where it's just like okay, like. Uh, things are opening up, but it's like, at what cost? Like, how long did it take for that to happen, right? Yep. Well, while so we... I would say... Oh, sorry, go ahead, go ahead. I would also say, um, uh, one thing that, like, I also think is important that we, we have to acknowledge is that, like, yo, a lot of, a lot of allies, a lot of our white allies, because I'm not trying to bash them, a lot of them actually have good intentions and actually want to learn and want to help out. A lot of them do, you know? So, so there's that aspect. Of it. I don't want to. I don't want to shove. I don't want race topic into their hearts. But like, one thing, one thing, like, cause my manager, like, one thing he told me, cause like, I was, I put him on the book called Black Like Me about a mm-hmm. news reporter from the '60s who, who went to Southern states. He's a white guy, but he made himself black, like, in the sense of like he went through like some some treatment through a doctor to make himself look black. Oh really? And then you wrote a book about it because he's like, yo, it's inhumane how black people are treated in America, mm-hmm. which is supposed to be the land of the free. Tell me how the land of the free was built by slaves. Just tell me how, you know? Yeah. You feel me? Like that's so backwards. And yo, I was um, cause I, I'm back on my uh, daily devotion to that. I'm a heavy believer in God because uh, we have to be. And uh, just because it's like, yo, this world doesn't make sense. I, I pers- I don't know how y'all feel, but like, I just don't. I don't see this being a random thing. I don't see this being the big bang. Like, bro, this is too detailed. It's too, it's too real. Like miracles. I've experienced miracles. My family is a, is a testimony of miracles. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's like, I can't, I can't discredit God's presence in my life and in my family's life. can yeah. never ever be right. So, uh, I was, I was, uh, listening to music while I'm like writing in my, in my journal. Um, and I came across this, this like, pastor dude who uh who's saying amazing grace and bro take this in every black negro spiritual mm-hmm. was 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 written on the five black keys on the piano every single one of them like majority a majority a majority and amazing grace was actually written by a captain of a slave ship which he then converted to christianity yeah yeah i heard about that one I didn't know about the you black keys. Was that intentional? They they use the three uh, like five black keys on a keyboard intentionally to make the I music. I think so. Just, yeah, just to prove a point. I feel like because it's like yo, fuck this, fuck this white. Like <laughs> I like that. Y'all ain't y'all ain't good enough with this one. You gotta use these keys over there. <laughs> right, the small ones. And guess, yeah, guess um, uh, amazing grace was used on those same keys. Mm. Right. Wow. So, so. When he like when he told me that like because I had never heard of that amazing grace so um, if you listen to those lyrics right mm-hmm. like he's like uh, I was I was once lost right or, I don't know like I don't know the lyrics like I that was right? lost Rip, but now but, I'm fine was yeah. blind but now I see right mm-hmm. yeah yeah blind but now I see he's like I'm sure he's probably referencing to the fact that like all of his peers are like these racist motherfuckers you know towards black people yeah right but then he's like you know what like yo 
we're all God's children, including black people. Mm. Right? So then he's like, he's like, okay, I was blind, but now I see. So he steps down from his position, makes this amazing song, right? And and one thing too is like, is like, do do I do I not appreciate that song because that dude was a, a a captain of a slave ship, you know? Yeah, like it was testament from his, his growth from uh, I guess he, the revelation that he would have had, right? Like him stepping down and then realizing that this was actually messed up. We shouldn't be treating people like this. So. I think mm-hmm. it is something that we do appreciate. Like that same thing as we talk about, like you said, the white islands. We can't uh, keep throwing heat at them, acting like they're not actually out there uh, participating in activism, getting the word out there, getting themselves educated, and trying to help us uh, have these reforms, like we, we talked about earlier. It's it's, it's really mm-hmm. important that we, we we acknowledge the people that are actually out there doing the work to better the situation for all of us. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, it just shows the power of music as well. To, like for these slaves, mm-hmm. just to get through the daily life they had, they use music mm-hmm. to say, you know what? No matter what's going on, what we have for hope, we'll put that through our music. Mm-hmm. We'll sing our way through this. We'll make sure that we make stories of what we're going through, so that in the future, mm-hmm. somebody else is going through the same thing can have this kind of have this thing to lean on. So, like fast forwarding even to now, like the music that you're making, the music that people are making around the city, the journals mm-hmm. people are making now, the blogs people are making, because a lot of people have time now, obviously because of COVID. Yeah. And a lot of people are putting more time into things they would have done uh, otherwise, but they would always say, like, well, I'm too busy. You know, I have work. I have school. But now if there's something you're mm-hmm. passionate about, something that's on your mind, you have all the time in the world now to really put out what you what you really believe in. And that, but, uh, fight, and that fight is important. That fight is important. Yeah. And I, I wanted to ask you this because uh, since we started uh, putting out content, one thing that was always in my mind is, like, you'll say something and you mm-hmm. might not explain it in the way that you thought it would come out, then you kind of have to mm-hmm. re-explain yourself. So like, if there's anything in your music where you have a point to make, but you don't think it's, it's come across yet in your music? Is there like one one idea that you want to get across that you haven't been able to get across yet? Um, there's, 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 one, there's one thing that is coming across. Like, I haven't really like, I, I guess I'm speaking on it more on this new project, like Label Number 2. Uh, but, um, uh, but uh, what is it called? What was I trying to say? Yeah, um, uh, but the music itself speaks speaks on it. Like the amount of growth, the amount of growth. If you listen to my my first project and you and and then you play other songs, like you hear you hear you hear me growing, growing, growing to the point where when I drop this next project, you know, my most recent song, Dear God. If you if you play that back, and then if you play my old stuff, you'd be like, okay, yo, this. Like not only the bars are crazier, but also like just like the flow, everything about that song is, is just on another level. But like that, there's there's that aspect of me that's showcasing the music as well. It's like some people are like, "Yo, you should put down your old music if you, if you don't think it's as good as your new stuff." I'm like, like well, songs they're talking about songs like from like 2014, 2015. But I'm like, "Yo, why would I do that? I want somebody to find my music one day and be like, okay, this dude actually." You know, he was like a level one, level two, but now he's like a level. Belt. Yeah, exactly. A brown, I, I want a brown belt actually. Fuck a, fuck a black belt, fam. You know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know what I'm saying. And uh, there's, there's a lot of things. Uh, um, uh, and, and 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 another thing too, because I didn't really finish why I'm so positive, right? Um, I, uh, I, I would say it's because. Like that, that whole experience of like that my upbringing, uh, upbringing and stuff, but also second of all is uh, just just knowing that the glass is half full because it's like yo, life life there's always gonna be ups and downs, you know. Mm-hmm. And I realized your energy is the most like one of the most important things that you should guard at all times. You feel me? For sure. So keep putting that energy right? out. Right. Keep putting that energy out. Keep. Keep, 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 like, that, that honestly keeps you alive, bro. Like, like, yo, people sometimes, like, even, like, even I've had shitty days, right, where you, you're just like, man, like, what's going on? All these things. But, um, when you, when you look at life in, in a positive light, bro, it's, everything's more beautiful. It's like, yo, I woke up today. I have a roof over my head. I have friends. I have family. I have my music. I have a job. Through a pandemic, you know, I'm in school. I'm, like there's so many things, like the list goes on and on, right? Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, life's going to be the same. The way you feel about it is the only thing you can change, right? Exactly. Exactly, right? So it's like, why Why not? Why not? Imagine it's like, okay, like, like I, I like I'm, I'm I just have a shitty outlook. I honestly, bro, like I've trained my mind so much now. It's like I honestly don't know how to have a shitty outlook on my like. Not even trying to guess, but I'm just saying like that's where I'm at with my spirituality and like my faith in God and things. It's like yo, I don't know how to have a shitty outlook on my. That's dope. That's dope, man. Thank you mm-hmm. so much for being on the podcast, man. Having people like you in our community is super important, especially during this time. You know, we talked about the kind of divisiveness we're living in right now. And mm-hmm. to have people like you, while we have white supremacy going on, uh, while we mm-hmm. have the Black Lives Matter movement uh, becoming more prominent, it's it's really good to have the voices out there of what the people really think and to have people who can articulate it. So thank you, Wally. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. And don't drop Amazing that late bloomer too till I pull up to the studio. Yeah. We'll be excited for Late Bloomer too, man. Let me hear you with that quality hey. control. I got you. <laughs> hey, yo, 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 just a time. You got to pull up on me, yeah? I got you, man. I'm going to be out, out of the city this weekend, but yo, when I get back, I got to touch down. I right, touch down, fam. You're already drowning OT, yeah? Yeah, for sure. All right, easy, All right, easy. Take care of yourself, bro. Yo, likewise, man. Thanks for having me on the podcast, too. No problem. Appreciate you. God bless. One time.